As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> What's up, guys? Um, honestly, the sooner we get through this, the sooner we can move on and get ready for Detroit and week four and whatever disaster Nagy and company are cooking up for us because I think he still has a job for some reason. So, uh Yeah. Sunday was a disaster, absolutely just, you know, from start uh, to finish. I mean, it, it's going to get ugly, the conversation. What's funny, though, is that the knee-jerk reactions, I mean, you can hear the frustration in my voice. You can hear the disappointment about what's taking place. But the fact that the defense was lights out for the first three quarters and it really didn't fall apart until the fourth quarter there's still like this tiny air of optimism because it only was going to take one score to get us back into the football game or and going into the fourth quarter one score ties the game uh kind of thing so there there wasn't a complete gloom and doom until the game was over and the fourth quarter knee-jerk reaction and we got to see how it all went down and how basically we never figured it out we never made the necessary changes or adjustments uh, or whatever, and it was a full-blown disaster by the time the clock struck zero in this 26-6 to massacre. So, like I said, the sooner we get through it, the sooner we can move on and uh, close the book on week number three and, and look forward to potentially one of, <laughs> if that's what we're going to put on the field for the rest of the season, potentially one of our last winnable games on the schedule for quite some time. So, uh, 
Let's go ahead and uh, get through this all. It's the week three review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Out loud and you know, I, I watched all the shows uh, on Monday, or at least I watched all the clips uh, on, on, on or today on Monday as I am uh, recording this just as the uh, Cowboys are completing their massacre of the Eagles uh, on Monday Night Football, a game that was, uh, you know, unless you're a Cowboys fan, not all that entertaining, but thanks to ESPN's Manning cast, uh, Monday Night Football has been far enjoyable uh, to get through. Because uh, aside from uh, Lewis Riddick, I'm not really a big fan of the announced team, uh, which has been a problem for the uh, for Monday Night Football since uh, Mike Tirico left, in my opinion. Um, ever since he moved on to to NBC it hasn't been as good a a broadcast and then Gruden went to Oakland to be with the Raiders again and uh you know that took like the fun Madden-ish type guy uh out of the booth and the teams that they've thrown out there like you know Jason Witten and then Booger McFarlane it's all been a disaster since Tarico left so um giving me an alternate uh option uh in the Manning cast has been fun. And then of course I find out yesterday that the, uh, or I found out during the broadcast tonight, actually, what am I saying? That uh, it's not going to be every week. It's like, they're not going to be up and running again until like week seven. So we got to go like three, four weeks without this. And then I'm wondering if, uh, if, well, I mean, does that mean that they're going to do the bears game in uh, cause week nine is when we play the Steelers on uh, Monday Night Football. But uh, I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about anymore. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, uh, like I said, I was w- watching all the, uh, the uh, like the clips on, on YouTube. Uh, basically, uh, <laughs> there isn't one person out there defending what Nagy did uh, on Sunday with the game plan that was put together. I have seen a few brave souls that have tried to say that Nagy's not as guilty uh, as he's being portrayed to be, and um, those guys have little to nothing to to stand on, uh, other than you know maybe uh, Justin held on to the ball a little too long in a couple of situations, and I'm not denying that. Uh, no one's saying that he was perfect, and it was all. Nagy, but as far as like ratio or anything like that, it's definitely somewhere in the like 80 to 85 to 15 uh, to 20 range as far as like Nagy to to fields. I think out of the nine sacks, maybe two or so could have been avoided if he'd have thrown the football away or maybe taken off running a step sooner or uh, or what have you. But for the most part, um, Rex Ryan broke it down while he was screaming uh, in the studio that, uh, you know, 30 drop back attempts uh, by the Bears uh, on Sunday, 21 of which had five man protections. And it's not like all 21 of those five man protections came in like the first and second quarter before, you know, we decided that maybe we should make some adjustments after the four sacks going into halftime. No, 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 no. That was spread out throughout the entire football game that even though it was clear 
that Jason Peters and Jermaine Afidi were well, well out of their depth with Clowney and, and Garrett uh, that we kept pushing that issue uh, until the final gun. It just, there were no moving pockets. I mean, we've said this over and over again. I almost feel, you know, uh, annoyed to, to repeat it, but it's just so obvious that there were no moving pockets. We had no no rollouts, uh, you know, and, and not so much because that's what Justin Fields is supremely good at. We know that he is. We saw it in preseason over and over again, but it just didn't look like his game plan. And, and we, we heard and read throughout the week that the Bears are really putting something together, something you hadn't seen before and all that kind of shit. But in the end, that was 100% true because this was statistically like the worst or like second worst, if not the worst performance offensively in NFL history. The Bears averaged 1.1 yard per play. Justin Fields was 6 for 20 for 68 yards, but after you take out the 67 yards in losses from his nine sacks on Sunday, he netted one yard passing on Sunday. So I guess statistically in the NFL, Justin Fields played an entire football game and he has one yard to show for it. And then with in, in the, in the total, um, you know, this, the football gods have a sense of humor uh, aspect of this. Uh, apparently Mitch Trubisky played a snap, played a few snaps in relief of Josh Allen uh, on Sunday in their blowout over the uh, Washington football team. He was one for one for one yard. So there's that. But, you know, the, it was over and over again. Rex Ryan, I mean, like like furious to the point that he's literally screaming uh, on television. Dan Orlovsky, same show, wasn't far behind him. Uh, you got Ryan Clark uh, officially, formally apologizing to Mitch Trubisky because now it's like, okay, now it looks like it was more naggy than it was Mitch, which I have to admit looks like it was true. I don't know how much better it would have been, but we have a glimpse, like when Bill Lazor was calling the plays, the offense was more uh, efficient. We were tailoring it to what our guys were good at, and Mitch had some success. If that had been the story all along, who knows what the, what Mitch turns out to be, that maybe we could have started there in 2018 and worked our way up to something by the end of 2020. Who knows what the situation looks like then, but we don't. So, you know, I, I Mitch did not play well based on what we saw in his four years as our quarterback. He was inconsistent. He was inaccurate. But we know he's a talented kid. We know that. He has talents. He belongs in the National Football League. But after you saw four years in Chicago, does he deserve to be a starter? Well, after watching what Nagy is doing to Justin Fields now, he might get a shot somewhere next year. I mean, that's not a joke at all. After what, after the shit show that Nagy put together with one of the most dynamic athletic talents coming out of college in a long time, it might be the win. It might be the the thing that opens the door for Mitch to maybe get a shot as a starter for somebody next year. We don't know, but um, you know, couple that with the performance that Mitch put together against us in the preseason. The uh, evidence is getting pretty damning. <laughs> Uh, I'd still take the path where we're, where we're at, though. You know, I honestly, 
would take Justin over Mitch anytime. But regardless, you know, Dan Orlovsky's calling for his job. Dave Kaplan uh, here, you know, in the Chicago uh, market on the the post game show with with Olin Krutz and and Lance Briggs and Alex Brown. I love that show, by the way. Um, saying the same thing. I mean, he was saying that minutes after the loss on Sunday. Whenever the uh, I always miss it though. I end up having to watch it on YouTube because I can never remember. Because I don't know if they go on immediately after the game, if they do it a few hours later, or whatever the situation is. I gotta find out for sure so I can actually watch the show because um, uh, it used to be that they would put on like like the whole show but in like chunks like 15 minute segments now they're cutting it up in like a dozen different three minute segments that's not your problem anyway <laughs> I'm rambling but you know Dave Camplin, uh just flat out calling for Nagy's job uh, Olin Krutz and, and Alex Brown, Lance Briggs, I'll be like, dude, this guy sucks. He's he's out there. He's not doing it. Uh, you know, he's it just became nauseating to and, and it, it reminded me very much. You guys remember last year after the Detroit game, I was at my wits end, like just absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I was upset after the game, after we lost uh, to the Lions because it was, there's no way that, no reason that that should have happened. The way David Montgomery was playing, the way we kept taking the ball out of his hands, taking him off the field, the way that we handled the fourth quarter. You know, we have a 10 point lead uh, in the fourth quarter at home against the Lions playing their first game with an interim coach and all that kind of stuff. We absolutely choke our ass and we lose this game that we should have won that extended the losing streak to six. I fully expected to wake up Monday morning to to hear that Pace and Nagy had been fired and we're moving on and all that kind of stuff. And then I spent Monday watching all of the reaction shows, listening to the reaction podcast, and that's where the fury really came in. Because the things that I was thinking that we should have done that would have given us a chance to 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 win the game was the opinion of literally everybody that I listened to that day. All the way from me, my you know my buddy Lauren Cox locked on Bears Hogan Johns, uh, and then all the way up to Olin Cruz, Alex Browns, Lance Briggs on that uh, reaction show. Why weren't we giving the ball to David Montgomery? Why did we keep taping him off the field? Why was Mitch dropping back in the fourth quarter? Uh, you know when we, when we're deep in our own territory, the play that caused the strip sack and and all that kind of stuff, and it just made me even more angry. Because if it's so obvious to so many people with their varying levels of, of expertise and experience in the game, how is Nagy so oblivious to it? And then yesterday um, with the game and then today again, which wa- watching all of those review shows, there it was again. Every single place that I went, they all said the same thing, all had the same questions no moving pockets, no using, you know, they, they said that they were building and crafting this offense that we hadn't seen before, that with Justin Fields out there and his capabilities, it was going to blow people's minds. And instead, it was the same bullshit we've seen over and over again. It looked like Andy Dalton's uh, time uh, at quarterback. And, uh, you know, it was a fucking disaster. 
it was a disaster. Uh, you know, again, with the no moving pockets, no, no max protection, no chip blocks on those edge rushers that were absolutely murdering our tackles and everything. And it's, no, they'll figure it out. Just Let's just keep going out there. Juan Castillo said that the, we were focusing on fundamentals, whatever that means. Uh, and, you know, it's like I didn't see a whole lot of fundamentals. I saw Fidi and Peters running for their lives trying to catch up to uh, Garrett and Clowney. Uh, and, you know, Miles Garrett had four and a half sacks by himself, which was double and a little bit extra more than the entire football team had coming into the game. And they finished with nine uh, throughout the through the game. So four and a half times the amount of productivity they'd had before. Okay, so they went from averaging one game a sack coming in, two sacks in, in two games. Then afterwards, you went from two sacks in two games to 11 sacks in three games. So you went from nearly one sack per game to almost four sacks per game in the, in the season. That's how much we jacked up their average uh, for, uh, for sack totals uh, going into the game. After the game, excuse me. So, um, you know, I, I thought that I was pissed after the game. But then again, like hearing all the analysis and and everything from from all the same people. And once again, it's unanimous. A, all of us think Nagy should be on the unemployment line right now, but he's not. You know, I don't think he would have faced the media if the Bears were going to fire him. So sadly, he's still going to be the head coach going into Detroit and beyond. How much beyond? Great question. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But traditionally, he's safe for the year because the Bears have never fired someone in season before. Uh, but I don't know how many more of those performances we're going to be able to string together with him still out there. He says that calling the that everything is on the we're back to being Ryan Pace again in that disaster of a press conference where everything is on the table. That was one of his favorite things to say. Collaboration and everything's on the table uh, were, the, were the hot words going into that uh, press conference. And everything's back on the table, according to Matt Nagy, including play calling and, apparently, who the fucking quarterback is going to be on Sunday. Because he literally said, and I quote, all three quarterbacks are in consideration to start on Sunday which means Nick Foles is going to be back in this mess. And I know, I know, you guys all know that no, Nick Foles is not the athlete that Justin Fields is, and he's probably not as good overall as Andy Dalton. But after what we saw that Nick Foles was subjected to last year, he is not as bad a player as what he put on the field last year because a of Nagy's scheme and b the offensive line he was behind that whole time um so it, it, it just i don't think it would be fair to him to put him out there with all that noise that the uh that we're putting i mean if that's what we're going to keep doing leaving our offensive tackles out on an island against the NFL's best pass rushers with no protection, no help, no moving pockets or anything like that. Nick Foles isn't equipped for that. He isn't. He'll get killed again just like he did last year, and that ended in injury for him. So, no, let's not do that to Nick. Um, 
You know, Justin Fields is the rookie, and what Steve Smith was saying to me was saying last week on on Thursday Night Football about how you know let Andy Dalton to be one to take all the lumps behind that offensive line. Um, the the statement didn't really hold water at the time because the Bears' offensive line wasn't bad in in weeks one or two against the Rams or the Bengals. Yes, we gave up sacks and there was pressure, but for the most part. Dalton and Fields in those games had time to throw the football. If that was the offensive line that we had against Cleveland, this game would have been completely different. We probably still would have lost, but it wouldn't have been the massacre and the utter embarrassment that it ended up being. But that didn't happen. Instead, it was the 1,000% worst-case scenario. And, and as I said yesterday in the in the Bear Up, Bear Down uh, show, the only reason, the only way that it wasn't a utter one million percent balls up disaster is that Justin Fields wasn't permanently injured uh, in the game. You know, he he banged his. I think he hit his hand on a helmet or something like that. He needed X rays. They're still looking at it, and which is why I think Nagy is hanging on to this bullshit about uh, you know evaluation and and you know not naming him the starter for. This uh, Sunday's game, they're also hanging on to the, the hope that Andy Dalton would be back out there, which after Sunday's performance, I don't think anybody would be upset if Andy Dalton came back in there um, just so that he can be the one taking fire and getting murdered instead of Fields uh, having to face it and ruining him forever. But, um, you know, I think if if gun to my head, I'd prefer Fields was out there against Detroit than Dalton or Foles, but, um, you know, we're going to have to wait and see who the play caller is going to be because now apparently that's up in the air. I don't trust Nagy to be humble enough to hand it over. I don't think he was the one that made that call last year, um, and uh, I don't think that he'll give it up. He's too stubborn. He's too ignorant uh, to do it. He'll think that if he makes this change or that one that – will be fine. He's going to make after-the-fact adjustments for the Cleveland game and put them in place against Detroit, and it won't matter because he won't be game-planning for Detroit. He's game-planning for the game he already played instead of the one he's going to, and that may be the problem, that he doesn't, he, you know, he, just, he, he doesn't think that it matters who he's playing, that his scheme will work. Like, it was just, like, every defense is a stencil, and they're all the same, so they're going to attack you the same. And so we just make an adjustment because this is how we were attacked last week. So next week, when we're attacked the same way, we'll be able to do this. And that's not how the NFL works. It's not how fucking football works. And I think maybe that's how Nagy's been treating it. So I don't know. So anyway, we're, what, 20-something minutes in, and we've still got knee-jerk reactions to get to. Uh, and like I said, uh, from the beginning, it wasn't all good, but it wasn't gloom and doom. And it really wasn't until we got to the fourth quarter when it all set in. And number one, the the Browns doubled their point total in the fourth quarter. It was 13 to six after three quarters. And then they had the touchdown pretty much immediately in the fourth quarter, put up another couple of field goals, which meant the defense was still playing all the way through and didn't give up touchdowns in those last two drives, but they still doubled their point total, making the 13 to six game, the 26 to six massacre. Uh, it was so 
Let's go ahead and get to it. First quarter knee-jerk reactions, and then we'll work our way through this fucking shit show. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction. Bears-Browns for week number three, and, uh, well, for the first quarter anyway, we're, we're, we're winning. Uh, the defense has shown up to play, although we're, we're, getting res- we're getting mixed results from them at best. Um, you know, we, 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 we heard all week long and, and I've read comments and, you know, doing all my research, we want to keep the Browns in third and long, third and long, third and long. Well, on their opening drive, they converted on third and 10 and on third and eight before we, we shut them down, like on third and five and, and we sacked them, Robert Quinn and Angelo Blackson combined for a sack on fourth down to put that drive, uh, to an end. Then the debut of Justin Fields as a starting quarterback, we don't let Justin Fields do anything, essentially. Um, you know, we, we hand it off to, Dave, to uh, David Montgomery. Uh, we get a couple of first downs, one that Fields scrambled for, and uh, we ended up with a field goal from uh, Cairo Santos from 47 yards out to take the early 3 nothing lead. What I'm seeing so far is... Our offensive line is getting beat up up front. Fields, the pocket is collapsing around him, so he has no time to read the field and find an open receiver. That's what I'm seeing in the two-plus drives that we've seen from the offense so far. Number two, Matt Nagy still has no grasp on what his football team is good at because he continues to try to run to the outside where we're relying on our receivers to make blocks. Essential blocks, actually. Important blocks that are key to a play's success. Because the Bears had a third and two on their second drive. No, it was on the opening drive. They had a third and two on their opening drive. And numbers-wise, we should not be running to the left side of the field. Okay, there were four defenders on three receivers to the outside. Okay, and what was supposed to happen was that the receivers, Mooney and Robinson, were supposed to come down on the two inside defenders with Jason Peters kicking out to the outside. Instead, Allen Robinson blocks nobody. The guy that he was supposed to block runs face first into Peters, who is supposed to be blocked, and Peters is supposed to get to the outside. The play gets choked up. We end up losing yardage on the play and end up settling for the field goal. So there's Nagy constantly wanting to run to the outside where the receivers have to make essential blocks when our receivers can't block worth a damn and never have been. That's why those screen plays never work or anything like that. Anyway, the defense has been really good so far. We shut them down twice on fourth down. We pitched a shutout in the first quarter, but the Browns are driving now. It's 3 nothing. Let's see if we can shore this thing up, see if the Bears can can clinch up on defense. Only, uh, you know, let them even it up with a field goal. And on offense, just give the play calling away, Nagy. You really have no idea what you're doing. So there's some frustration there. A little bit. But we've all seen this uh, uh, story before. You know, same, uh, same book, different chapter. And, you know, you heard me talking early on. First quarter knee-jerk reaction. Our offensive line is taking a beating out there. But, you know, no mention yet of the no max protections, no chips. But you did hear me say 
we're not just we're not letting Justin Fields do Justin Fields things yet. You know, with, with what we were what we were expecting this wide open offense to look like, we're not getting that right now. And uh, you know, it sounds f- funny, but but looking back, it's like it looks like we had some success moving the ball on that first drive because we did get a couple of first downs. A 47-yard field goal, if you do the math, means that we were at least, that has to be the 29, 30-yard line that we're kicking that field goal from. So we did a decent job getting into scoring position and what have you. We didn't get any penalties to help us out. But that was the best that the offense looked. The entire football game was that opening drive. So I didn't mention any sacks. I don't think that happened until later on or maybe just one or something uh, like that, but you did hear an inkling of the what the fuck is Nagy doing uh, scenario with that with that play on third and two, where he's <laughs> he, he's just he keeps calling that screen play where you know as soon as our receiver even that quick screen where we just immediately throw it out to the receiver uh, out in the flat he's tackled almost immediately. We're leaving the receiver no matter whether it's. Robinson, Mooney, last year it was Patterson a lot, uh, or what have you, to do all the heavy lifting. Catch the ball, make every guy miss, and then get a first down, you know, or, or make a big play or, or or what have you. And but that you you see other teams in the league run it. And what you see, you see it happen in Green Bay. That's why they always have success with it. Their receivers actually make the fucking blocks. You know, they get their hands on their defenders, whether it's a DB or whether they're shielding off a linebacker coming from the inside or whatever, they make the blocks necessary to open that play up. Our receivers haven't been able to block where the shit since the days of Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. Those guys were like offensive linemen that could catch the ball. That's how awesome they were at blocking. You'd see it all the time with, uh, you know, the, the last of the last of Matt Forte and the beginning of, uh, of Jeremy uh, Langford with the two of them together that, uh, you know, actually Langford didn't play with Brandon Marshall. But with Alshon, you know, how many times do you remember seeing a decent run from our running back and the fact that he was able to keep running because Alshon's got his hands on the guy and is blocking him, shielding him off. Brandon Marshall used to do it all the time. They were outstanding blockers. We haven't had that since those two guys left the team. It's just you just don't see it from our receivers. So, you know, and the whole time that Nagy's been running this offense, he's he's always wanting to run those quick screens, wanting to run those jet sweeps and things like that. Well, that means those guys have to block, and they never have, which is why those plays don't work. And yet we keep running them anyway. We keep running them anyway. And on, like I said, on that one particular play, it's third and two, and what was supposed to happen is Mooney and Robinson – we're supposed to block down on the two inside defenders, and then Jason Peters was going to kick around and get the most outside guy, which is what opens up the hole. They come across Peters' face, and he goes around them, and he gets a guy, and there's your lane for the running back to run through. Instead, the guy in the middle, which was supposed to be the guy that Robinson blocked, he actually goes and gets the guy that Peters was supposed to block, and his guy penetrated up the field so much that he runs into Jason Peters. 
That's what clogs, clogs up the play. And, uh, and actually, kudos to Dave Montgomery. He turned that disaster into a no gain. He didn't lose yardage because it was third and two. He fought his way back to the line of scrimmage so that it was fourth and two when we were kicking the field goal. But we hit that play. Who knows what happens? Maybe we score. Maybe we get into field or into goal line situations and uh, what have you. But then, fortunately, when the, in the world of Matt Nagy, that falls into the we'll never know category because he keeps calling these fucking plays and we fail to execute them, but he keeps calling them anyway. This is why I always call Nagy either an emotional or a stubborn play caller. He keeps calling the shit that doesn't work because. Yeah, we're, we'll get it eventually. We're just going to you know keep running it until we get it right kind of thing. That's the play caller I think Nagy is. So, but like I said, we come out, we shut the Browns down twice on fourth down in the fourth in the first quarter. We, we shut them out. We're winning the game after the first quarter, despite what, despite the, the, the taste of what was to come for, from what we saw. Uh, from the offense, but uh, in the second quarter, the, the 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 it became obvious to the Browns at least that we weren't going to do anything special with Justin Fields, that we weren't going to protect those offensive linemen that I that I could see in the first quarter were getting walloped up front, so they just pinned their ears back and they came after us. And that's where shit really went sideways for us in the second quarter. But even going into the half, I think it was tied. Three, no, the Browns scored a touchdown just before halftime. So it was 10-3 to three going into the half. And it was their last drive before the half that scored that touchdown. But I think, and I'll take it to my grave, I think it was more about the fact that our defense was out there for about two-thirds of the first half. And it was more of a volume thing than it was the defense not playing well on that drive because the defense I think was outstanding. I just, they got worn out as the game went along, which is not surprising to literally anyone. And that, that was the other theme that I've been seeing all day today on the review shows was how awesome the defense played. They sacked Mayfield five times and it wasn't until the latter stages of the third quarter and into the fourth that Kareem hunt and Nick Chubb got their yards. And that's where, you know the 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 stats started to tilt in that uh, in that favor, but the other stats you want to look at: thirty nine minutes, forty eight seconds, time of possession in seventy eight plays versus only like forty something plays for the Bears, and you know barely twenty minutes uh, of time of possession. It's it's kind of sick actually. But second quarter knee jerk reaction: it's uh, you know four sacks going into halftime. And uh, I make a declaration that could have not been more correct than it was. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, Bears-Browns, second quarter, and the game is over. It's over. We're done. Why? Because Matt Nagy is calling the offensive plays. And even with our shiny new toy, Justin Fields, we're still doing the same shit we've been doing all along. Okay? We're running plays where it's essential for wide receivers to make key blocks to the success of a play. We're, st- <laughs> we're not opening up the offense whatsoever. We're not rolling Justin Fields out into the flat uh, bootlegs and everything that could give him just as good an opportunity to use his legs as it can 
to use his arm, which we know can be deadly accurate. And uh, our defense has been out there for the majority of the half. And uh, I think that they finally figured us out on this last drive because the Browns just put together at least like a 90 yard drive uh, at the end to, to finally go up 10 to three. They kicked a field goal at the start of the second quarter. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and they just scored a touchdown on this long drive at the end to make it 10 to three. And I think 10 points is going to be enough to beat us because after, you know, cause I was worried about offensive line consistency coming into the game. And the only consistency that the offensive line has had today is being awful. They have been terrible so far today. Uh, you heard Jeff Lloyd talk about it, uh, on the preview show, about how this team has two sacks in the first two games. Well, they had four in the first half. Four in the first half, and they had maybe a handful of pressures uh, on top of it. Uh, They own us right now. We can't get anything going on offense, and with Matt Nagy calling the plays, we're not going to be able to do anything. Matt Nagy's not known for his awesome halftime adjustments. Instead, He's going to send us back out there to do more of the same. We're going to fail miserably and we'll be lucky to score as many points as the Browns have in this half. Like I said, I think 10 points is going to be enough for the Browns to beat us today because we got nothing, nothing going on offense. And it's not Justin Fields' fault. It's not, oh, the rookie made this mistake or that one. Not at all. Not at all. So, you know, it has just been an absolute disaster uh, of a first half, uh, which completely wipes out how well the defense played for about 90% of that, of the first half. Cause we have three sacks of our own, you know, Nick Chubb isn't taking over the game, which was a big uh, concern for us. The defense is playing solid. It's just that last drive where we couldn't get the Browns off the field. And uh, you know, they finally put one in, the end zone, which is probably more than they'll need to win this football game. So no faith in Nagy and his play calling. His stubbornness is going to be our undoing. You know, the fact that he won't tailor his play calling to what our offense is actually good at and just insists on calling his plays and, you know, daring us to execute them is the reason that we're never going to be successful as long as that asshole is holding the play card. So second half to come. I believe we start with the football. We do. We start with the ball. So we'll get a We'll get a taste right off the top. If Nagy can pull his head out of his ass and help us get back in this thing. Or if the second half is just going to be as frustrating as the first was. <laughs> this episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by the Spotify green room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, 
I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <coughs> well, I was right about a couple of things. Um, one, the uh, the play calling stayed, the, stayed horrible. Um, we uh, were not productive. Ten points was enough to win the football game. I was wrong about one thing. The second half wasn't as frustrating as the first. It was more frustrating than the first. Uh, I was just taking a quick glance at the drives in the football game. And, um, yeah, we, uh, that first drive, we only had to go 24 yards. We had good field position thanks to us uh, sacking Baker Mayfield at near midfield on that fourth down play on their first drive. So we only needed a couple of first downs because uh, our drive was five plays for 24 yards and then we kick a field goal. That's how we started off the football game. So it wasn't like we had to drive the length of the field to get in field goal range. We basically started at midfield. Um, then the second drive, three plays minus one yard. Next drive, three play minus nine yards. The next drive, five plays, 19 yards. <sighs> yeah, so I'm not even going to try to do the math on that one, but uh, we started with 24 yards, minus one, so there's 23, minus nine, so that's 15, plus 19, so 34 yards of offense. Oh, excuse me, we had one play for four yards at the end of the half, so just based on the yardage for the first half, we had 38 yards. So, awesome. But the Browns touchdown drive, I said it must have been around 90. It was 89, actually. 12 plays, 89 yards, two and a half minutes, touchdown to Austin Hooper to uh, score all the points that they would need for the rest of the game. And then here are our drives in the second half. Three plays, minus eight yards. Three plays, minus one yard. Three or nine plays, 65 yards, and 44 of those were given to us on a pass interference call. Um, four plays, nine yards, so some positive yardage there. Three plays minus 12, five plays minus four. That was our offensive rundown for the second half. So, yeah, like I said, not as frustrating, more frustrating than the uh, first half, especially since we knew what we needed to do to give ourselves a chance in the second half, and we didn't do it. The max protection, the helping out our tackles that had given up four sacks in the first half. No, no, no. We'll just do this 
and we'll, we'll, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and eventually it will start to work. Just, uh, fuck, you know, I mean, come on. And like I said, that's what made today even more frustrating and angering and it just in it just infuriating because you go around and you look at the experts and 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 you look at how angry some of them are you heard me talking before about how rex ryan how dan orlovsky were upset these guys aren't bears fan i mean i don't know if what rex ryan's allegiance is with with his dad coaching for you know buddy ryan being you know the creator of the 46 and uh and all that kind of stuff i don't know if chicago is his team but i do know that he hates matt Nagy. i can tell you that because but it's like you know dan orlovsky as a quarterback has skin in the game watching what Nagy is doing to this young quarterback watching what he already did to Mitch Trubisky and to some extent last year Nick Foles and you know it's just it's like everybody was so angry Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football was a bit more subdued but equally as frustrated with what we did uh, on Sunday Uh, I didn't really get to see what Kay Adams had to say because she's another Chicago girl uh, on uh, on on Good Morning Football great show by the way um, but you know, it just, it was all over. We saw, you know, we, we told you what Dave Kaplan had to say. Um, Olin Krutz, uh, Lance Briggs, uh, Alex Brown, all frustrated, but none of them screaming at the, the screen, the way that Rex Ryan was and the way that Dan Orlovsky was, was calling for, uh, Nagy's job, but the outrage is there. It's there. And I think it's because. They, they, you know, everyone's of the opinion then and now that Justin Fields is going to do special things in this league. But as long as Matt Nagy is the holder of his fate, he is fucked. He is 100% fucked. Okay. And maybe this was overreaction Monday or, or, or whatever, but there's no overreacting to what happened in Cleveland. Nothing. There is no overreaction there. What happened happened. It was as horrible as it has been described to be. And even after going back and watching the film, it, it only falls on the rookie so much. You know, I think that even the most kind person to what happened on Sunday is saying that maybe three, four tops of those sacks would be, would have been avoided if Fields gets rid of the ball sooner. Fine. That's still five sacks and how many pressures. And like Rex Ryan said, 30 drop-back attempts, 21 five-man protections, which means no help, no running back to stay in, no chips from the running backs going out into the flat, nothing from the tight ends or, or anything like that. 21 out of 30 dropbacks. That's not protecting your quarterback. That's not giving your team the best opportunity to be successful. And, you know, it, it all goes back to that comment, and it stuck with me ever since he said it. Olin Crude said, I don't think Matt Nagy is concerned with winning so much as he is winning his way. To be able to say that he won football games doing what he does is far more important than Nagy winning, period. Because if winning was the most important thing, think back to 2019. 
We have that horrible game against the Raiders in London. Going into the bye week, Matt Nagy says we got to fix the running game. And his answer to that was week seven against the against the Saints, coming off a bye, so we had a two-week break to get ready. Mitchell Trubisky attempted 54 passes, and we ran the ball seven times in a football game where we were, it was a one-score game until deep into the third quarter. We ran the ball seven times. We ran five times in the first half. And just the cherry on top was that it was Walter Payton Day at uh, Soldier Field. So, yeah. So we ran the ball seven times for 17 yards in that game. Follow that up the week after. We ran the majority of the offense through the power eye. So two tight ends, fullback in the backfield. What happens? David Montgomery averages five and a half yards a carry, has 135 yards rushing, and scores two touchdowns. Did we do that the following week against whoever it was we played after the Chargers? Fuck no. Why? Because I didn't come here to run the power eye. Nagy said that. I didn't come here to run the power eye. Well, you probably should because your, uh, your football team is pretty fucking good at it. So, you know, but that wasn't his way. He didn't come there, come here. He didn't come here to run that old school gritty offense where we basically put it through the running back. The running back is just an accoutrement to his offense. The running back does his jobs coming out of the backfield, catching passes, not so much running the football. That's not his offense. So... You know, we're going to throw the football. We're going to break the scoreboard scoring points, and we're going to do it a certain way. Not running the football. That's not, no, that's not why we're, that's not why I'm here. I didn't come here to do that. And you didn't come here to win, period. You didn't come here to win. So, you know, after 2018, when he was uh, dynamic and creative and we had success uh, on offense, Looks like the NFL course corrected, and they've had his number ever since because he has been the most ineffective play caller in the league since then. And it's only gotten worse. It has gotten worse yesterday or being the uh, being the worst of it, being the absolute worst of it, kind of like the perfect storm. So, yeah, that's what's frustrating. And, you know, that's why that comment that Olin made sticks with me the way that it does. I don't think Matt Nagy is so much concerned with winning as he is with winning his way. Because if winning was truly important to Matt Nagy, he'd be making the necessary adjustments to what his team is actually good at to to bolster their strengths and hide their weaknesses. And it doesn't seem like Nagy gives a shit what our weaknesses might be because the stuff that we're not successful with, we keep running it anyway. We keep trying to get it past uh, the the defense and they're ready for it because they know how fucking ignorant and stupid Matt Nagy is and they just keep uh, like oh yeah this is what they're going to do no matter what no matter what we do this is what they're going to do so we just defend that we'll win the football game more times than not he's right so yeah so third quarter knee jerk reaction miraculously after three quarters, we're still in the game. It's only 13 to six, but the bodies are piling up 
and it's not getting any prettier out there. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears, Browns, and uh, it's not getting any prettier. Uh, the Bears were able to hold the Browns to a field goal on their opening drive to make it 13-3. to uh, Our offense, I think, has given up two more sacks, uh, so we're up to seven. I think we're up to seven so far, so I guess it would be three more sacks than they had four at halftime. They have seven uh, now. Um, to a team that had two in the first two games combined. And, um, you know, we're not doing anything on offense whatsoever. The offensive line uh, can't block. Uh, we can't get anything going. And in year four uh, of Matt Nagy's offense, we are still struggling to find our rhythm because that's what he told Patton Oliver uh, at halftime is that we're still, uh, we haven't found our rhythm on offense yet. We haven't found our rhythm on offense yet. Well, we had two first downs uh, versus, uh, I think it was 16 by the offense or by the Browns uh, in the first half. They didn't even show time of possession. I'm sure that would have made every Bear fan's, uh, you know, stomach bubble over uh, if we had seen what the time of possession was. The defense is playing outstanding. The fact that the Browns are finding success is nothing more than a volume thing, in my opinion. The fact that they're out there for 100 plays in a row uh, and everything is the reason that they're able to find success because they're throwing everything up against the wall against this defense and every now and then something is going to succeed. You know what I mean? It's just To me, it's a volume thing. It's not a scheme thing. They've got us figured out or anything like that. It's the fact that they've probably had about 60 plays in first three quarters alone that they're going to be able to find something to get through the cracks eventually because we've only allowed 13 points to this offense despite all that they've been out for as long as they've been out there all that they have done they've only got 13 points to show for it and we have three points to show for this quarter thanks to a 44 yard bogus pass interference call the refs gave us a freebie on that one and rather than go for it from the two yard line on fourth down because of course we're going to make it back there multiple times because we can rely on 44-yard pass interference calls on every drive. Nagy settles for a field goal. So it's 13-6. to We're still in this thing. But I think it's more likely that the defense gets us a touchdown than the offense does. So on Sunday, not only is our, core, or is our uh, coach uh, an incompetent fool and a, sh- and a shit play caller, he's also a fucking coward and an idiot um, because... He, I mean, he's, he, it's amazing how much this guy talks out of both sides of his mouth because you heard me mention the San Diego game or excuse me, the LA chargers game from 2019. Um, and the controversy that that was, uh, at the end of the game with Eddie Pinero missing the field goal that, that could have won it, but because, uh, Nagy was, um, kneeling on it or, or whatever or kicking it on a second down or, or what have you instead of maybe running a few plays to get a bit closer because it was like a 45-yard field goal, 47-yard uh, field goal or, or whatever, and he was talking about what could go wrong on the play. And uh, somebody in the in the press corps was like, so that means you don't have any faith in the offense or you know you don't trust the offense? No, I trust the offense. You just said you didn't. 
You were talking about all the things that could go wrong. We could get sacked. Montgomery could fumble the football and, you know, all that kind of stuff, all the things that could go wrong as opposed to just handing it off to Montgomery so he could run a, uh, you know, run a couple of more plays to get to maybe to get a little bit closer, get it to a certain side of the field for the kicker or whatever. No, as soon as the field goal, as soon as we're in field goal range, boom, we're kicking the football. He misses the field goal. We lose the game. Fast forward to Sunday. We get that prayer of a pass interference call. Like I said, it was it was a shit call. It was a bad call for the for what goes for pass interference. It 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 wasn't enough in my opinion. And even though it was a huge penalty for us, and it got us into a spot of the field that we weren't going to get to on our own, I gotta call it like I see it. It was a shit call. So uh, we'll take it. Obviously. But it's it's not like it was completely justified, um, like in the Sunday night game where Devontae Adams gets speared in the fourth quarter, and they don't they don't call it for a uh, helpless receiver or or what have you. Um, but uh, you know, it just uh, it was a shit call. It got us down there, and we're at the two yard line. We're able to move the football a little bit to get to about the two or the three because I think we still could have gotten a first down without scoring a touchdown. And rather than go for it on fourth and two, he takes the points. We're, we're down 10 at this point already. So, you know, and like I said, we haven't been this close all day. And with the way our offense is playing, we're not going to be, period. We are not going to be. But apparently, it's like he has faith in the offense and he doesn't all at the same time because that's what that decision says. Because he doesn't have faith in the offense because we're kicking the field goal rather than going for it. But he has faith in the offense, believing that we'll get back here at some point in the football game uh, again. So those things all at the same time contradict. It's like the one decision that he makes contradicts itself, which is a mathematical impossibility, but Matt Nagy finds a way to do it, man. He really does, which is what can be so fucking staggering about this guy uh, and his decision-making. He made one decision, and it contradicted itself. Because it shows faith in the offense that's done nothing all day long, and it also shows fear in that offense and, and, and no faith that they'd be able to get two or three yards and score a touchdown. So we take the safe points. It's 13-6. to six. Despite it all, despite everything that's gone wrong, we're only a touchdown away from tying this thing. And uh, then the wheels fell off in the fourth quarter. Um, I think a few plays into the fourth quarter is when uh, Kareem Hunt had that touchdown run where both Deion Bush and Eddie Jackson whiff on the play. Deion Bush in the backfield, Eddie Jackson, because he came flying in out of uh, out of control. Um. We'll talk about that afterwards, but because uh, I think I even talk about it in the knee-jerk reaction as well. But, you know, there it was. Just, uh, you know, not only is he is he an incompetent shit play caller, he's also a coward at the same time. It, it just, it, it was, a, that's where my level of frustration was at that point. That's where it sits right now. Going into this game against Detroit, it's probably the last winnable schedule on our, or winnable game on our schedule for weeks probably until we play the fucking lines again on Thanksgiving. Because after this week, 
We have the Raiders, who are currently 3-0, and and they've beat some good football teams. Then we have the Packers. I mean, it's in Soldier Field, but it doesn't matter. It never has. Then after that, we have uh, Tampa Bay on the road. <sighs> Give me a fucking break. Then we have San Francisco at home. Another disaster. Then we go to Monday night against the uh, Steelers before, mercifully, our bye week in week 10. Oh, yeah, and then coming off the bye, we have the Ravens. So, (laughs) and the reason that the Detroit game even makes me nervous is that Detroit was able to figure out what the Chiefs couldn't figure out before on Sunday Night Football. They figured out how to slow down the Ravens. The Ravens scored 35 points, excuse me, 36 points against the uh Against the Chiefs last Sunday night, week number two. The they, they the the Chiefs couldn't figure that out. Gave up 36 points to Lamar Jackson. They ran the football down their throat the entire football game. The Lions barely lost this game thanks to a 66-yard NFL record field goal by Justin Tucker that hit the crossbar and bounced over. That's how close the Lions came to beating Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. They held them to 19 points. And they only got the 19 because of, of NFL record-setting field goal. They figured out what the Chiefs couldn't figure out. And, you know, God knows we aren't the Chiefs. And we sure as hell ain't the Ravens. So, Sunday is not a foregone conclusion at all. So, we could go from the first three years of Matt Nagy starting 3-1 and one to in year four, Starting one and three, it is a real possibility, and it only gets worse from there. It only gets worse from there because we won't be favored. Like, even if we are favored this weekend, we won't be favored again until, like I said, um, probably until we play the Lions again week 12 on Thanksgiving. So, yeah, it's not going to be fun. Not going to be fun. So, Let's get this fourth quarter knee-jerk reaction because I get a little bit long-winded because I was frustrated and pissed, uh, disgusted uh, after Sunday's performance. And, uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and get it wrapped up. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Browns. And uh, this thing got away from us, uh, making it statistically impossible for the Bears to do anything in the fourth quarter. Final score, 26-6. to Um, just after we got done with a 13 to six, uh, fourth or third quarter, uh, score, um, a couple of plays into the fourth quarter, Eddie Jackson and Dion Bush, both whiff on a uh, Kareem hunt as he rumbles 29 yards into the offense to make it 20 to six. And that effectively ended the football game 100% at that point. Um, the bears offensive line was just horrendous. Uh, Matt Nagy's play calling uh, called for no screens, no misdirections, no rollouts uh, for Justin Fields uh, or anything like that. No moving the pocket uh, whatsoever. Uh, We had him just dropping back uh, like a regular pocket passer, which he has the ability to do, except that our offensive line couldn't block anything today. You know, with Jermaine Rafiti has been the star of the offensive line the first two weeks. He was horrendously bad today. Uh, Jason Peters could not handle Miles Garrett. But did we give them any help on the edges? Nah, man. No way. Why would we do that? You know, why give 
Jason Peters any help, even though he's clearly being manhandled by Miles Garrett over there? Why give our tackles any hope of any help? Why keep the tight ends to, to chip or, or anything like that? The Bears didn't chip anybody once, and they just blew right past our tackles all day, every day today to the tune of nine sacks on Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields had his rookie moments, maybe held on to the ball a little too long, but that's not on him. That's not his receivers not getting open. You know what I'm saying? I'm not apologizing for Justin Fields at all. He didn't play well. Nobody did, especially on the offensive side, except maybe David Montgomery. David Montgomery is really the only one who actually got any kind of results today. But the Bears finished with 46 yards of total offense. Justin Fields, I don't even think he cracked 100 yards passing today. And, you know, it just... And the thing is, the defense was playing great. You know, they sacked uh, Baker Mayfield at least five times uh, in this football game. But it was just as I feared in the beginning of the football game. By the time we got into the late third and early fourth quarters, the... uh, the football game was going to turn on the defense because they were on the field for at least 80% uh, of the football game, at least. Um, I, at some point in the fourth quarter, it was 35, 35 minutes to 19. So that's 54 minutes, and Cleveland had the, the football the majority of that final six minutes. So I would say the Browns probably closed in on 40, 40 minutes of time of possession in this football game and, and the Bears offense had nothing. You know, we just it was it was a pitiful, pitiful uh performance uh from our offense. And and the funny thing is you, you don't walk away feeling that it was because we had a rookie quarterback out there. I mean it probably would have been even more brutal if if Andy Dalton is I mean he wouldn't have survived this game. He he quite literally would have probably would have gotten hurt sitting back there. Uh, against this pass rush. I mean, it just, it was brutal upon brutal uh, out there. So, uh, yeah, it uh, was not pretty at all. Uh, the the bear ups and bear downs will be mostly defensive players, if not all of them. Um, yeah, because nobody on offense, I mean, Dave Montgomery, maybe. <laughs> Actually, I don't even think you'd be an honorable mention. Statistically, it, it just wasn't there, but it just... He was uh, basically the only bright spot that we had on offense. Justin Fields couldn't get anything going because nobody was blocking for him. I mean, it was just a a horrible, horrible uh, experience today. But we go back home next week uh, against the Ravens, or excuse me, against the Lions, who look like they're beating the Ravens right now. What the hell? More on that. (laughs) Bears fall to one and two, head home to take on the Lions next week, who might also be one and two. That's the other thing that kind of worries me about the game on Sunday against the Lions is that uh, they had uh, the, yeah they had the taste of, of victory on their lips, and then Justin Tucker kicked an NFL record of a field goal to uh, take that away from them. Uh, so there's some frustration, some anger that uh, they know that they're good enough to beat a solid football team in the Ravens, and it was uh, taken away from them just at the final moment. Uh, I'm very, very interested to talk to Jeremy uh, Reisman. I cannot wait to talk to him to preview this game to see how he feels uh, about this season because they've played 
three really interesting games so far. Week one against the 49ers who jump out way out in front in the first half, had like a 38-10 to 10 lead at one point. And in the end, the Lions come back and it was only 41-33 to 33 in, in the final score. Uh, at halftime, they're beating the Packers 17-14 to 14 in Lambeau on Monday Night Football. But the Packers score 21 unanswered in the second half and, and win the in the football game. So they won the first half and lost the second in that game. And then this past Sunday, they figure out or to uh, figure out a way to contain Lamar Jackson and the, uh, and the Ravens have the football game won, And then an NFL record setting field goal takes it from you. So it's, it's a crazy season they've had so far and they're coming into soldier field on Sunday. The bears will still be licking their wounds from this one. You know, maybe even still mentally fucked up by what happened uh, last Sunday. We don't know who our starting quarterback's going to be and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, uh, I'm very interested to talk to Jeremy to see A, how he feels it's going in year one of Dan Campbell and what he thinks his team's chances are on Sunday uh, against the Bears. I can't wait to talk to him. But, um, you know, you, you heard me talk about it. Uh, the bear ups and bear downs. I didn't give a bear down to a single offensive player. And I know that sounds nuts because of Peters and Anafidi getting beat off the edge all day long. But as we've concluded, you heard me talk about it. I didn't mention it as much at the end of the football game, but I did mention no chip blocks, no max protection, no rolling pockets, no screens, no misdirections, none of that. We just left those guys out on the island and they got their asses kicked all day long. So, I mean, there's only so much you can expect. But when it becomes obvious that our guys are horrifically outmatched, you're going to want to help them. You're going to want to protect them in some way to to call off the dogs, to slow down the Browns. I mean, guys, think back. I know this was a century ago, but 2010, the first game that came to my mind as I'm watching this game against the Browns, in 2010, the Bears go into Dallas. We're playing the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are absolutely murdering us up front. Early in the game, they are on Jay Cutler, like white on rice for the entire early portion of the game. Because I think it was finally in the second quarter. Mike Martz, for all of his faults and everything, makes the adjustment that we're it's all hot routes from now on. It's all hot routes hits uh, Greg Olson for like a 70-yard touchdown off a hot route. Like he literally, Jay Cutler takes the snap, he gets the ball, boom, he hits Greg Olson who runs right down the middle of the field uh, for a touchdown. And from that moment, the Cowboys were not pinning their ears back and coming to get us anymore. They were still you know, coming after us, but it wasn't balls out to the quarterback on every play like it was up until that moment, Mike Martz saw he had to make an adjustment to find a way to get the Cowboys to take their foot off the gas. He made an in-game adjustment. He didn't wait until halftime. He, he fixed it in the first half. And we ended up winning that football game. And the Cowboys' pass rush was nowhere near the problem for the rest of the game that it was before that moment. After we smoked them on that one play, they weren't just coming in. They weren't throwing the entire house 
at the quarterback. Nagy never did that. He just sat back there and he watched his tackles getting outclassed, outmatched, and overrun the entire game. He watched his rookie quarterback take a beating uh, at the hands uh, of those uh, awesome two number one picks rushing from either side. Jadavian Clowney, top pick in 2014. Miles Garrett, top pick 2017. They came after us, and they never stopped. And uh, I I forget who it was that uh, that was showing the quote, but even Miles Garrett was surprised about the way that they game planned and how little they protected Justin Fields uh, in the football game. Like they just they didn't think the Bears were going to do that, and they did. They were surprised by what they you know like I, <laughs> they were probably game planning to have to eat through tight ends and chip blocks and, and things like that. And instead it was just them on the Island. So they had no reason not to come after us. None whatsoever. Five man protections in 21 of 30, but for the math folks, 70% of the time, our five offensive linemen were on their own. And I wonder how many times in those, in those 21 five man protections, did the Browns bring six, I mean, they didn't really need to. They were getting to the quarterback with three or four. But I wonder how many times they sent more because they knew there was no running back to help. That, uh, you know, maybe that's where the experience of Andy Dalton would have helped. Maybe he'd have changed the protection at the line of scrimmage uh, and, and called somebody in. Maybe that's where the uh, the inexperience of Justin Fields hurt us was in the pre-snap uh, for that. But, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to do what his quarterback, his coach tells him. And, uh, you know, but uh, it was fucking brutal. And Nagy did nothing. He did nothing. And, you know, there's also, uh, that's one other thing that Dan Orlovsky talked about was that uh, you're either completely incompetent or you wanted him to fail. Even Dan Kaplan, uh, David Kaplan said, you know, and, and, and the funny thing is it's so fucked up and it was so messed up on Sunday. You can't just dismiss it. Because it's like, well, I told you he wasn't ready. This is why I wanted him to sit. So, you know, now I can justify putting Andy Dalton uh, back in there. It's like, did he really just set up Justin Fields to fail so he could sit for the rest of the season? And uh, my my uh, buddy of mine, my best friend, is like, I think that he wouldn't be doing this with Justin Fields. Talking about how he's going to sit all year or the plan is for him to sit if they knew they weren't if if they like he thinks the bears have told Nagy and pace they're coming back in 2022 that's why they have this long-term plan with justin fields as opposed to getting him out there as soon as possible because i think anyone with a brain between their ears would think that justin fields success is what's going to keep matt Nagy in chicago next year he thinks, and it's looking more and more like it's the truth, he thinks that the Bears have already told Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace they're coming back in 2022, and that's why they have this plan in place with Justin Fields. Because it can't believe that they, it can't be that they believe Andy Dalton is going to win us enough football games to save their jobs this year. It can't be. Not when Justin Fields is the other option. So, uh, yeah, 
So conspiracy theories are abound that they believe that they set him up to fail. And I think it was Dan Orlovsky who pushed that one out there in, in ESPN. He's, they wasn't the only one. Uh, like I said, David Kaplan said it, and Alex Brown was like, you know, it'd be hard to hard pressed to 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 you know disprove that. With, I mean, it's either that or you really are incompetent. You really don't know what you're doing. You really are that stubborn, and you know those. Neither one of those arguments make you look good. One look makes you look bad. The other one makes you look evil. You know what I mean? So, anyway, we're done. That's it. Um, we lost the football game. We fall to one and two. And like I said, we have our last winnable game on the schedule for quite some time because it only gets harder from here. You know, the Raiders, the Raiders might be 4-0 when we play them next week. I don't know who they're playing this weekend, not yet. But, um, you know, then after that, like I said, we get the Packers at home. Then we're on the road to Tampa Bay. We're home for the 49ers on the road to Pittsburgh. Maybe Pittsburgh could be a winnable game because they're not playing very well at all so far this year. And for one reason or another, we have Pittsburgh's number. Uh, We've won, you know, we only play once every four years, but we beat them in 2009. We beat them in 2013. We beat them in 2017. Uh, The last time they beat us was in 05 when they won the Super Bowl. They're not going to the fucking Super Bowl this year. That's for sure. So, yeah. For whatever reason, we have an outstanding winning record against the Steelers. Kind of like how the Dolphins have always had our number. They always find a way to beat us one way or another. We've always kind of had that magic over the Steelers. That's just that team for us, I guess. So maybe that's the next winnable game on the schedule. But it's still in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. It's Monday Night Football. Uh, You know, so it's... uh, yeah, it's a shit show. Um, it it can it's it could be a very long time before we win another game if we don't win on Sunday. So, anyway, let's close the book on the uh, Cleveland Browns. Let's head on off to uh, talk about the Detroit Lions. Uh, come back on Thursday when myself and Jeremy Reisman will preview this matchup between the Bears and the Lions. And I always love talking to uh, Jeremy; he's one of my favorite guests to have. Uh, on the show, and uh, we'll sift through the rubble and uh, see what 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 we have to build on to go into this game uh, on Sunday. How optimistic are Lions fans that they'll be able to steal one in Chicago from the Bears after they saw what we did in Cleveland? So, love to find out the answer to all of these questions. So, tune in on Thursday uh, when we have Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit on the show to discuss. Week four between the Bears and the Lions. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.